Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Well, Station Jackson, I'm Tomorrow. We have Andrew on the board with SP Futures down 7, Andrew Futures down 31. So we really didn't. After a huge rally after the Fed speech on Wednesday, I really thought we'd be off to the races yesterday, and we started up, then we actually went down, and we just flopped back and forth across the flat line kind of all day. It was really a, I guess you could call it a consolidation day after a big move, but it uh, um, was a little little different. I mean, we actually had the, the Dow was, uh, well, you know, we look at the Dow, but uh, it's it's not the it's not the one we, uh, the Dow was back down 200 points, um, which is, you know, uh, still not the seven something it was up the day before, but I was kind of surprised that we went big. A lot of that was uh, Salesforce after the earnings that they didn't like. Plus, I don't know if they like, didn't like the earnings so much, but they didn't like the idea that one they had they had two heads and one guy left or something, and everybody was saying, "Geez, that's a gut punch." So whatever. So maybe that's one. Kevin, how are you? I am doing okay. How about you, Tom? All right, boy. There was there was no room at the uh, <coughs> the Tripoli last night. I forgot. No Evidently, uh, not a whole lot of people have this new Thursday night football, and since the Patriots were on, I'll just say it was was butt the elbow in there. <laughs> was like, um, I don't know how big of a I'll success. They do. I didn't pay any attention. Did the Patriots win? Did all the Tripoli uh, Boston Patriots I, go home? Like happy? I said, we we said no no room in the inn. Uh, went home. I uh, oh, so you went home. So you don't know either. I think uh, they lost to Buffalo. But, I'm, have but, but our man, a- but our man Andrew will be on that like white on rice here in a second. So, uh, but, yeah, I can pull it up too. We'll go N L dot C O M. Yeah, yeah. Right. For those of us who can type, but some of us put C X O M. See now, why don't you just have like a <laughs> get a load of this? So is that this uh, talk about new things to me, Kevin? That I don't, that I really thought I needed. I uh, we were at this party on on Sunday. Audrey's friends from. Uh, well, she was in the drum corps when she was younger, so a great way to grow up and meet people and so forth and travel the country. But uh, anyway, so, so all her old friends were in there, and everybody's got to stand and talk, and knew everybody. I knew like one other guy, so we of course found the TV room and two big chairs. With I said, okay, we put the bear game on. And I go, yeah. So I'm, I got the remote control. I'm sitting there. All right, how the hell do I work this remote? And the other guy goes, just tell me what the bear is. He looks at the thing, the Chicago Bears. No, out up the thing pops. I'm going, gee. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> I don't have one of those. Just saying. Uh, I'm not so sure I need one either. But uh, hey, we might have uh, Greg calling in for a minute this morning. He was also just report on it on Monday. Evidently, there was a huge change in governmental policy in relation to biofuels yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. 
I'll, let, I'll leave it for him. Uh, you know. I, I, I just saw a headline of it. I was totally preoccupied yesterday, so I did not uh, I did not see the details. Well, evidently, it was a big move toward biofuels, which not only is, uh, you know, some of the oils from the uh, commodities, but also the factories to turn it into essentially biodiesel. And for some reason, I guess the, well, I'll leave this for Greg, because he just mentioned last night, he goes, yeah, this is one of the biggest moves I've ever seen. All of a sudden, the, the government came out and said, we're not going to do that anymore, or we're going to cut way back on it. And he goes, uh, he goes, an awful lot of people left the industry today. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, half of them are broke, and half of them are so rich, they <laughs> made so much money, they don't have to work anymore. I'm like, really? But anyway, somebody it, is, is this tied into the uh, Biden's comments about, um, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a really, really large bill, you have unintended consequences? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. He's uh, talking about... He was talking about the inflation reduction bill. Well, I... Uh, and and very, very surprised that that could happen, that we could have unintended consequences in legislation. The, the legislation that nobody reads, except the lobbyists who stuck the line in That's there? That's right. Um, That's right. You know you know my rule that I'd institute, but, uh, but they'll never do it. And no. that is that uh, you can't vote until you sign off, uh, sign a certification, uh, a, a sworn certification, saying you read the whole thing. Um, Kevin, where I think you, at your advanced age, you should have realized by now, maybe Andrew still doesn't get this, is when it's your rule, you can break it whenever you damn well please. I understand that. Rules are only only made for the people who intend to follow them. And for and for other people. You no, know, they're, they're only a problem for the people who intend to follow them. Everybody else, um, you know, no problem at all. I'm just going to break it. But, um, you know what? I, I, I do think that uh, if you make people sign off on it, um, I don't know. Maybe you give a quiz. <laughs> well, is my uh, is my attorney? Maybe, maybe that sign off comes with a quiz, and, and just like you know, just like in a class, can in a classroom, and, uh, and and maybe we go that route. I you know, I don't know, but what I do know is that that would accomplish two things. One is people's votes. The uh, people in Congress would have more informed votes because I am sure that there are many, many times. When you get down the road a little bit, and somebody says it says that, oh, I wouldn't have supported that. Um, so that's part one, and part two is you get smaller bills. You know, the, uh, you, you and and you would, you know, right now it's such it, the the way they write the legislation is as much to use as a cudgel as to get something accomplished. So you know, an example, um, you know, and, and Brennan's brought this up before, where he says. Well, you know, there, uh, the uh, uh, the Republicans all voted against prescription uh, relief. Well, yeah, they did, because they voted against the Inflation Reduction Bill, which had provisions in there for prescription relief a couple of years down the road. But if all you have to say is the Republicans voted against prescription relief, you know, prescription price controls, then you have you can beat them up with that cudgel, and and there's no denying that that they did. A hundred percent of them voted against it because they didn't want to vote for that whole crappy bill. Um, the state of Illinois is Matt Murphy. He's come on the show before when he was still in the legislature. Said they actually had a rule that both sides agreed with uh, that there would be one one subject, one bill, or one something, one bill, one topic, one bill. And uh, as my as my attorney buddy the other night said to me. What's, what happened to that rule? The Safety Act has got about 50 things in there, and nobody can figure out what's in there because it should be like 10 different bills. And yet, 
that's what they're doing. I mean, Pritzker doesn't, doesn't think that any rule applies to him. We, we know that. But, I mean, why don't the rest of the people say what the hell? I mean, why, and why don't, you know, I watched uh, the alleged news conference with Paul the other day. You know, Kevin, it's, it's, our, own, it's our own fault. I mean, when I say it's our own fault, you can always say stupid stuff like that, and it doesn't make any difference. But the questions the guy had... Are, are so totally so people are just just happy to be there they're, they're, they're essentially performing oral sex on the guy they're not, they're not asking him a question for god's sake well that, that's part of it the other part of it is they're there to be seen i want to ask a question because i want the camera turning toward towards me well i mean but you also you're yeah. never going to so come it, back so if it is part happy to be there but it is part yeah if i can get a little attention here um then uh then cool that's that's a career move well, yesterday, and really, what they're doing is, is they're just trying to get on camera. Well, the, the uh, I, I've kind of done this before, but I haven't done it in a while. But yesterday, the, the headline is um, on the inflation front is somewhere in here. It's on CNBC and everywhere. Is uh, where the hell is it? Um, uh, let's see. Powell's inflation marks are green light to stay in stocks. Kramer says we know that. Um, anyway, the the. PCE came out yesterday. I'll just, I'll just give you the number. Uh, from the the PCE came out yesterday and, and talked about uh, it came out with a 0.2 percent current. As Wall Street had forecast at 0.3 percent, so it's a uh, key gauge of U.S. inflation rose a minus 0.3 percent in October, adding another piece of evidence that points to slowly easing price pressures, which I actually think is happening. The increase in the personal consumption expenditures index was a touch below Wall Street's forecast. The PCE index is, is the Federal Reserve is the best measure of inflation, especially the core gauge that strips out volatile food and energy costs. Okay, now I, I, I challenge anybody, and if you can, please send it to me because I this is not a I can't find and guess what? Carl can't find the detail on the PCE. Where the hell it is, nobody knows. But it essentially is a a, a competing index to the CPI. And I did find on, on Wikipedia here that this is just the consumption categories and the percentage they allot. Now, for some reason, there's a CPI number here, there's a PCE unadjusted, and then there's a PCE adjusted. I mean, this is the idea of this is supposed to be more in keeping with what people are actually spending today as opposed to the CPI, which has this whole historical thing going with it that we talk about all the time. So here we have, I'll uh, just go through some of the interesting ones. Food and beverages, CPI has it as 15% of your basket. The PC unadjusted is 14, and the price, the adjusted is 17. So, okay, not so much difference. Housing, get a load of this. Uh, 42% um, CPI, 26% PCE, and 33% adjusted PCE. But rent, rent is 5.8% CPI, which is an, ins- an insane number to start with. PCE is 3.4%, and PCE adjusted is 41 Explain to me anybody. Well, let me let me get this even more more bizarre as we go down. Um, now we don't even know what the base of this is now. So apparel is five point five percent. Does anybody spend more on clothes per month than you pay in rent? I mean, there's got to be somebody uh, who's on TV I don't or know, something. I might know somebody who does that. One or two people, but they're they're just nuts. I would uh, say if you're uh, if you're seriously, uh, <laughs> no, of course not. It's well, if you're if, I'll use a name here. If you're Cheryl Scott, who has to look spectacular every night, or anybody who's on TV, the weather girls or the weather guys or the sports people, I suppose it could happen. But for a regular person, really? Uh, 
Hey, you got to go clubbing, Tom. you got to look good when you go clubbing. But, but here's an interesting part. <clears throat> the uh, medical care, CPI is 6.2%, which everybody knows is insane. PCE uh, uh, unadjusted 22%, which is roughly the right number because that's what it is in the, in the uh, part of the population, <clears throat> part of the GDP. The adjusted number, 5%. So let me get this straight. Um, it's uh, your, your, your health insurance and stuff per month is less than your what you spend on clothes. Transportation, 17%. So you're you're don't gonna they spend don't health insurance in some different category than health care. No. Well they do split it up, but I mean that that's the number. I mean it is whatever, it's not on here. But one is well, clearly and the reason I ask is you, you could you could make a statistical case, but it's not a real world case. Um, that um, that you've got a whole lot of people whose expenditures on health care are zero. I don't need a doctor. I don't never go to the doctor this year. Haven't got you know. I didn't break my leg. Didn't break my arm. Didn't uh, you know? Uh, didn't get a serious case of the flu. Didn't need so uh, you know. So I didn't. I never went to the doctor. Therefore, you know, my my contribution to the average was zero. But again, the average is you know is is a fairly useless number, especially in that case because it's not telling you that when people do need services, what they have to pay, and then that becomes a really huge I, number. I think well. Just me. We could we could debate this forever, but I think that the number is the insurance number because that's the okay. number that. It, that and, and, and if it is, that's different because insurance is very expensive, and supposedly by law everybody has to have it. Well, but I'm, but I'm saying one, one is one is totally derivative of the other. The reason why oh, your, yeah. your 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 insurance is up three hundred percent in twenty years is because the hospital stay is up three hundred percent. I mean, right? Yeah. Now, what, I, what I'm really doing, Tom, is I'm just de- detailing a way that numbers can lie to you. Oh, sure, please. sure. All right, so let's go, let's go down the... Uh, so gasoline is 4.3%. Explain to me anybody who pays more in gasoline, even with my big barge suburban, than you pay on rent. And what, what, what planet are these people on? Recreation, 8.4%. Do you really spend more on recreation than you do on rent? I, I, I suppose if you're a big boozer and you go out every night, maybe... Well, it, it, it depends. Do you, do you count the gasoline price and the recreation, too? Uh, I don't know. So you got to get there. I, you know, it just, the, you, you can... You I'm can, just... I know. I know. I'm, I'm saying, but this is so insane. Why would anybody even think of this? You know, people right now are house poor. I mean, for, owner's equivalent rent is 23% of the CPI, which most of us would think would be low. These guys are 12.9. Name me any, anybody who bought a house in the last... In the last five years, were there, were there the, the price that are how that that twelve point nine percent is is that percentage of their we're talking about uh, <clears throat> you know taxes insurance the whole bit owners equivalent rent that's twelve point nine percent so a guy's making he makes three grand a month and his in his in his his housing costs are uh, are what three hundred and sixty bucks oh, I'd love to live in that town yeah sweet yeah I just. I'm saying is I, I'm not sure you would want to live in that. Maybe, maybe not, or that part of town. But but why, but why can't somebody ask this guy? And you say you're a slave to these numbers, but you've got ten people sitting in a room that are very intelligent people. By the way, you included. How do you not look at these numbers and say, "What am I looking at?" I mean, that, that that's the first question I'd ask. There, what, what what are we looking at? Who who did this? I mean, I, I understand, Kevin, that the job of the Federal Reserve 
is not to come out of one of their meetings and do nothing but eviscerate the, the consumer price index or the PCE, and essentially the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But you also can't be a moron either. I mean, you can't sit there and say, really? Really, you can't? Evidently, you can't sit there and go, gee, China's only had 80,000 COVID deaths? Uh, it's, <laughs> that's that's what the Internet says, but it sure doesn't seem like uh, that that's, that's the real number, does it? I mean, for all, those, all this and stuff. You know, there are still people out there who will praise China for... Uh, yeah for doing such a good job managing COVID. Just put the number out there. Well, that's, you know, I tell you what, at a, the, um, the section in, in the Mein Kampf from Adolf Hitler about the big lie, it's, if, if it's made by a government, peop, people will believe it. And, uh, and, if you're, and if it's really a good big lie, even after decades later, after it's totally been debunked, 40% of the people still think it's true. It's, uh, yes, and speaking of government and COVID, um, it, tell me this, um, you know what? What kinds of things? Just you know, this, uh, I'm just doing a little Socratic stuff here. Uh, what kinds of things has, have they been doing in China that have people so up in arms? Well, welding in your house is one. Needing a that test would to do it. Yeah, that would, would kind of get it. Oh, uh, um, what else? Well, I mean, not being able to go to the grocery store without a, a test. That might do it. That might do it. Yep. Yeah. Now. I, because I, I say that, and, and we all talk about, you know, how, how bad, um, you know, how bad it is in China. But as you think back over the last couple of years, how many things that we did, uh, did we do in this country that started us down that road? Um, a lot. A lot, yeah, a lot. How many, uh, you know, how, how many people got arrested? I mean, people would get arrested for going out for a run on the beach. Well, I told, you, I told you that... Uh, Angelica, uh, when she was still living in the city, went for a walk on the lakefront. She says there was nobody there. And she sat down. And of course, she's a very attractive young lady, which doesn't surprise that, a, that some policeman might wander over and say hello. So she was sitting on the bench, and the guy comes over and says, you can't, you can't sit here. you got to keep moving. She says there wasn't anybody within 200 yards of her. I think the guy just wanted her phone number, but that's, that I could understand. But, 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 uh, okay, but, but it was that. It was that you know we weren't allowed to go places, but you know it, we 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 forced uh, people into vaccines. We shut down businesses. We you know, and, and then you start getting into things like you know California. Oh, sorry, we can't have the skate park open. Let's just dump a bunch of sand in there. That'll keep them out. Yeah. Um, you know, we started doing all of these things that are. Totally the same mindset that we're seeing in China. China just take, took it farther. Well, that's but exactly how right. How much farther is the question? You know, is, 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 is how far how far do we go before we say, "My God, what have we done?" Well, that's but that that and creates. People, and I'm not talking about government because they're never going to say, "My God, what have we done?" Well, I'm talking about I think behind the scenes they might. Like you and me. I think behind the scenes they might. Just real quick on this, because I want to talk about this article here uh, that has to do with COVID in China. But I actually heard uh, when, when Pritzker was doing the press conferences like every day, which I don't know why anybody would, would put themselves through that, but he did. He likes to see himself on TV, evidently. Uh, they had, and you know, this is not a, a sexist comment, but because I, I couldn't see the room. I could just hear it. I was listening on the radio. And it was a press conference, and virtually every one of the reporters was was female. It might have been one guy, but 
Kevin, these women were shrill. I mean, they they were they were the what's what's the name of the uh, what's what's the the name of the lady next door is going to yell at you because you got something on your lawn. Oh, Karen. They're all Karen. They were, and it was like this. I mean, I don't really feel sorry for Pritzker normally any time, but this day I did. They were the lady and was in uh, Michigan or somebody else had just shut something down with some kind of stores or whatever, and Pritzker was resisting doing that. Kevin, they were brutal to the guy. So the governor in, in Michigan cares more about the population than you do. You don't care if people go to these stores and catch cold. It was, it was, it was like he should have just shut, shut the bleep up, but he didn't, of course. Yeah, no, no productive sentence ever starts with the word so. Yeah, and yeah, and so I mean, and so I'm sitting there going, and he and he resisted. I'm, I'm th- and I said the next day he's going to close the stuff down. The next morning I'm driving it at five thirty, and sure enough, whatever it was, he closed. The pressure on the it was all about. Who cared more about your your people than than you do, and and everybody was a, was a race essentially to the bottom. But here here's a here's an article here that well, and, and just to finish the thoughts because you brought up Gretchen Whitmer, um, you know what did she do? Well, uh, aside from just the really stupid draconian stuff that they did here, um, that that the uh, emergency powers of the governor have an expiration date on them. And that's the way it is in, uh, you know, in most states. Not every state. I don't Nobody know is. You never pay attention like to that. Uh, Pritzker could reign supreme. Um, but, they, so there, there's there's a time when you have to say, okay, I have to go to the legislature to continue doing anything here. Because that represents people. That's why we, you know, why we have legislatures. Um, it's, it, we don't elect governor, uh, king, or queen for the uh, for four years. So, um, so she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't take it to the legislature, uh, fearing that it's a Republican legislature and they won't do what I want them to do. Okay, so that's what happens. Now it goes to court. Court slaps her down and says, "Nope, you have to take it to the legislature." So fine. She finally, you know, did, did she ever take it to the legislature? No. Next move. I am going to have my health commissioner uh, issue a health department state of emergency, and. We'll keep everything going the way I want it to go, like that. And so, you know, off we go back to court. Court has to slap her down again. Did she ever, ever along the way take anything to the legislature? No. Well, and I think uh, not you, once. But you, you, uh, what the hell? Is somebody says, why, why, why are you stealing all that money? Because you can. Here's the, here's here's the issue I think we have, Kevin. Well, there's all, all kinds of issues. I'm not going to debate which is the number one issue, but the the issue to me is in Illinois. It's perfectly obvious that the, the, you know, it could be all Republican, it could be all Democrat. It doesn't make any difference. But the, the the legislation, the legislators, both houses were Democrat. So what what should happen here if your governor in either case is a bleep and does what they're doing? The head of the legislature, whoever it is, should get on TV and says. Because that power uh, essentially expires tomorrow, this does no longer apply to you unless he comes to us. But nobody had the balls to do that, <clears throat> did they? Either place. Well, they, they did in Michigan, so sort of. Uh, so that was fine. But but you know they, they still had the uh, the power of the uh, of law enforcement uh, to do the governor's bidding. The worst part about Michigan is we reelected her. 
Well, what, what I'm saying is... Because dep- everybody forgot. It's been, it's been a year now. You know, we've been away from this for a year, so everybody's forgotten about it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't. You know, she's one of the ones that sent uh, um, sick people into nursing homes. I, I, I get that, but uh, what I'm saying is, Kevin, how, how far are you willing to take it is the question. I mean, if somebody were to come in, somebody doesn't doesn't give a bleep, somebody like me or you, if you're, if you're the head of the legislature and you walk out and say, here's the law, the man has 30 days to do an emergency thing, okay, the 30 days are up tomorrow, and oh, by the way, there's no law that says that you arrest people for walking on the beach. Okay, so if you do, you have a problem, because now you are breaking the law. You, it depends on how far you want to put it out there. If you really want to challenge these people, that's what needs to happen, Kevin. Somebody somewhere has to challenge somebody. Hey, Mr. Policeman, well, if you believe... Time, that does keep happening, and, and the attitude of government, and this is right, all, right to the top of the federal government, too, is their attitude that says, I'm going to do it, let them sue me. Let, them, let it wind all the way to the uh, Supreme Court if it has to, because... Um, because that's going to take years, and in the meantime, I get to do whatever I want. Well, I, my, I'm trying to do this very clumsily. Is the they can say, the governor can say, I can do it until you stop me. But if I come up with the law on the other side and say you can't be arrested because he's going to get in trouble, I mean, it depends on how far you want to push it on day one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you push it. Uh, yeah, and and you know I. You're right when you say people don't, don't have the balls to do it because the first thing you do is you push individual liberties. And everybody was so scared and so misinformed uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, and frankly, uncurious, yeah. you know, which, I, which I think is the bigger problem among the population, is people just aren't very curious. They're willing to, they're willing to hear what they want to hear. But when we come back from uh, break, i got a little, question, a little article here from... Evelyn Chang, which we've written, uh, read some of her stuff before. And I'll tell you what, capitalism is alive and well, even in China. Maybe there's hope for this world. SB Futures down 175, NASDAQ Futures down 13. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. 
Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. And we're on the board. SP futures down a buck. Chuck, Nasdaq futures uh, down 10. So not much happening. Uh, Dow futures down 34. Was kind of, this is uh, sort of our normal before uh, before uh, the uh, numbers. Um, the... Uh, the... Uh, our man Greg is trying to call here. Let me uh, let me say uh, we'll we'll call him. How does that sound? The uh, okay. Yes. So the uh, over in Europe we've got um, the uh, Dax is up 64.4 percent. FTSE up down 13.2 percent. CAC around down four. So we have um, the uh, over in Asia we have the Nikkei down 448. 1.6. That's a big move. Shanghai down 9.3 percent. Hang Seng down 61 points, point three, but they've been up huge. They've been up 4,000 points in the last couple of weeks from the full off from the bottom. Yesterday, yeah, not much of a of a uh, of a move. We have the uh, Dow was down 194, but that was mostly Salesforce. Uh, S&P down three, and the Nasdaq up 14. So flop, flopping back and forth pretty much most of the day. Uh, Bonds down two basis points, 3.5, a long way from being over four. So you can see why these these stocks are are priced differently. I mean, they, they should be if that's the difference in the, the rate going forward. Bund uh, down six basis points, 1.76, so they're far away from two. Uh, Japan, uh, 0.25, where they are all the time. We've got oil up 47 cents, 81.69. Brent up 36, 87.24. Natural gas unchanged at 6.74. Uh, Arbob unchanged at 2.34. We've got gold pausing a little bit today after two, two or three big days of rally. 18.11, it's down 3.50. Silver up 4 cents, 22.88. Uh, copper down a penny, 3.80. Uh, we've got crypto. Bitcoin's up 71 at 17,006, hanging in at that 17,000 number. Um, we've got uh, uh, Ethereum is up 415, 1.2%. And we have the U.S. dollar is uh, is, is down again today. So the, the, uh, the euro is up to 1.05 and the pound's 1.22. 
Long way from 104 and 97. Those are big moves. Um, anyway, uh, what do you got for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 637 here in Chicago on December. It's December the 2nd. Uh, but over in sports, uh, last night in football, the Bills played against the Patriots, and the Bills won 24-10. to Now, uh, on Sunday, we can look forward here in Chicago to the Bears playing the Packers at Soldier Field at 12 p.m. Now over in the NBA, uh, today at 9 p.m., the Bulls play the Warriors, and over at 8 p.m., the Suns are going to be playing the Rockets. Now for Chicago weather, it is 37 degrees currently, mostly cloudy, we're going to have a high of 50, 50 today. And over in Phoenix, it's currently at 49 degrees, and partly cloudy, they're going to have a high of 69. Now finally for traffic, uh, on the inbound expressways, uh, an incident on the inbound Dan Ryan before 18th Street has been cleared, uh, but small delays are still expected there. And some uh, big news out on the Indiana Toll Road as a semi-truck caught fire and ran off a bridge. And that has closed the road between Buchanan Street and Calum Cal Calumet Avenue. Um, and they expect very, very heavy delays over there. It's miles and miles in the red. But that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So the truck is dangling over... Kevin, the truck is dangling over the the railing and kind of busted through it over over the... Little Calumet River and the fire fire department was and they're in their boots in the river trying to <laughs> try to fight it. It's a mess. How the hell do you pull it out? I would imagine. It, is the uh, driver okay? Um, I'm, I've not heard. Um, I'm going to say probably not, but I don't know. That would be the first thing. Is if it's going to dangle there, the first thing you need to do is rescue the driver, and then you can figure out what to do about the rest of it. Well, look at the bright side. If if he falls out, he'll fall in the river. And, and if he doesn't die from the yeah, fall, I'm he'll sure die. That, you know that. Uh, how high? What's the highest you have jumped into water? Uh, what's the highest you've been jumping into water? I'm going to say uh, the, the 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 high dive of Evergreen Aqua, which was what three meters yeah, or something. So that, that's what I remember as a kid: the high dive. And the first time I went off the high dive uh, ever, you know, you walk you walk out to the end, and then you decide, am I really going to go? Or am I going to climb back down? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and and so I stepped off and went feet first, but I looked down the whole time, which meant that when I hit the water, my face got smacked really hard by the water. Oh God! I, That's a hard fall. Yeah, I just jumped. Um, I, did, I, I never and, tried and diving. So the reason I so next time, you know, the, the moral of that story is no, look straight ahead, keep your head back. But. Um, but the but that that's a hard fall. I don't imagine that the fall off of the bridge into the uh, Calumet River is going to be any, uh, a soft landing. So which is worse, uh, the fall or the really cold water? So I don't know. I suppose it's better than hitting hard ground, but not by much. So if, if which is worse, the fall or if you take a slug of that water? Um, that's a good question. Well, that's the other thing is <laughs> the water in the Calumet River. Possibly would be as hard as the as the ground. Uh, we have Mr. Greg calling in. He's our uh, stocks and jacks man on the street. Greg, how are you, buddy? Yeah, man, man in the pit. Or you're on you're the screen or whatever you want to call it. I just wanted to quickly talk about what happened yesterday in the bean oil and the and the uh, bean complex in general. I don't know if you guys saw, but um, the government ended up changing a bunch of uh, credits towards biodiesel and um, synthetic fuels, and the market was very disappointed. And if you guys want to take a look, um, the EPA's RFS, uh, RFS guidance, not even really a change in policy, 
but just how much guidance can change. It was like the, the Fed pivot only for the grain complex. Well, Greg, uh, real, real, when you say biofuels, even though you, you do the, the crush, which is the soybeans, well, well the crush got absolutely demolished. But I mean, we were down like, what, 10% in the front month or maybe but, a little more. But even though there's not a separate contract, a real lot of biofuels has to do with corn oil too, right? Oh, yeah. So a lot of people, this has been an ongoing debate since I think 2005 or 2007 when they introduced this program. So the Renewable, renewable uh, Fuel Standards Program. And so you get a bunch of people in government who really don't know much about science just kind of blindly following either uh, lobbyists or interest groups, you know, farm-related, and science and refiners and, you know, whatever kind of whoever has the most money. And it's been an ongoing debate of how, much, how many credits and how much government assistance they should receive in order to... Uh, in order to diversify, I believe, their stated goals were to diversify um, the energy and mandate the use of corn ethanol in, I, I don't know what they were trying to do. They, they stated like six or seven different things. Well, how about when, when, you, well, when the gasoline and the ethanol, I mean, clearly regular gasoline has 10% ethanol, all right? And the E85 obviously has 85 uh, but the biodiesel, how, how much, how much in the diesel, how well, much percentage that is is a biofuel? Uh, I think they refine it at a hundred percent, and then they blend it in to anywhere from like, you know, five to twelve percent or something. Okay, like that. Okay, so it's a small amount, right? To give you, yeah, to give you an idea, but how much uh, actual product goes towards blending, goes towards these uh, these blends? I think. The latest or the better estimates were 36% of corn production and 30% of soy production. And the government really was trying to sell these. And the the Midwest obviously boosts their farmers' incomes and whatever. But they also tried to say that it wouldn't increase the price of uh, (laughs) the crops at the same time. Which is such BS. It's scary. And... And, yeah, I think it worked for, like, 10 years or, or, or something. And, you know, they said the cellulosic biofuels, meaning uh, non-food, like grass and edible uh, parts of crops that don't have a lot of carbon emissions. They talked about the biodiesel, like you said, which is vegetable oils, um, mostly soy, canola, and, and uh, those are mostly used in diesel engines. They have lower CO2 also. And then there were the non-corn-based biofuels, like sugarcane. Um, so all these, all these things were supposed to decrease our reliance on um, our fossil fuels and give us cleaner energy, and not affect our corn and soy prices. So yesterday, for whatever reason, they said, "No, no, no, no. Um, that's not." we're not going to increase this anymore. And the, the market was looking, I mean, companies spent hundreds of millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars, on these new crushing plants throughout the country, you know, in order to pump up these these uh, blends. And the government completely about-faced in, in, on them and said, you know, we're going to actually stay where we are for this year. So they've got all this extra production on, and they borrowed this money for crushed plants and for different ways to produce this bio biofuel 
and they got smacked in the face. <laughs> well, so, they, so the guys who own the plants are, they're basically sucking over. Oh, the guys who own the plants are furious. But now they, they were taking all this guidance, and they bought it, you know, for the past, I'd say, two or three years. You know, they were they were planning on increasing capacity, doubling, tripling, and having, you know, the government pay for a lot of it. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I got up so and left early. I got that up. That it's it, that you can you can really get burned if you just count on uh, uh, living off of government policy. I mean, I'm sure it worked you great to tell for me that a twelve years. True. I think I think the answer to that is yes, Kevin. <laughs> so okay, so it works it, until it doesn't. So in your in your pit, real quick, because we're going to talk more about it on Monday. We'll get back to Kevin. But in your in your pit, the soybean oil was what down limit or something. The soybean oil was locked limit, and then. If, if you looked at the options, you know, you were trading below limit. Yeah. Because they just, they, they the exchange locks the prices uh, anywhere from, I think, 7 to 12% for whatever contracts. And those are circuit breakers, right? No, yeah. no, no, no. You can't prevent the market. Um, the market, the guys in the oil options, the soybean oil options, they say, fine, we're going to trade below you. We're just going to pick a lower strike. And then you know trade exactly at the prices that we want. You can't stop, you know, the trading. That's well, you know, let's let's go through that on uh, on Monday, Greg, because obviously yeah. when when they, when they first had the options, because I was I was there when that happened, and uh, my brother Dan actually traded corn options for a long time. The Kevin, the weird part is, let's say when the when the limit on corn was thirty cents, the limit on all the options was thirty cents too. So say you had a Corn was two fifty a bushel. Corn can only go to two eighty, but the two eighty calls that might have started the day at three cents, they could also go thirty cents. So if they went up thirty cents, yeah. you knew that the real price was three ten, right? <laughs> right, Greg. And, and I'll I'll tell you yeah, what, what, what you do. Say, so finish that one, and then I got a question for Greg. Well, I mean, oh, no, right, Greg. So, so when it goes up, uh, say you know it goes from two fifty to two eighty. Well. Could you really stop the guys from trading the three dollar calls? No, that's what, what I'm if saying. I want to pay ten cents for the three dollar calls. That's well, that's right. So they have the same limit on the calls, regardless of the delta. Is what I'm, I'm trying to make this simple. Yeah. We got Greg, uh, Gavin, Kevin, ask your question. And we'll my question is this: Okay, who's who's going to get hurt by this? Aside from the people who own and operate the facilities, and well, the they, people and, who and took out the debt. Why finance. they would be furious, but. What's you know? What, where's the employment hit going to be in here? You know, though, you know, it, is is there any place where they'll benefit? Because so I'm I'm kind of into this. You know, okay, what's it going to do to the average guy or gal who is sitting there saying, "I make a living in this industry." Is there you know? Are, are there people who are going to make out on this? And uh, and there's going to be new employment in some sectors, or are there, or are we just crushing a sector of employment? Yeah, so the winners are going to be the people who were very prudent in risk management over the past, I don't know, three years. And they, they said this this expansion in all the production facilities uh, is maybe too much. And the companies who did not plan on borrowing money and spending on refining and uh, crushing plants, I mean, there's... Uh, I think more than a hundred plants or something that that had plans. They didn't start them, but they had plans to build so many of these facilities, and you know, say a thousand jobs at each place or however many. But 
the losers were the people who believed the government. Well, the win the winners, Kevin, are if, I mean, it's going to take the price of soybeans and corn down 5%. So I guess right. you and I are the winners. If we ever thought for a second that that would mean a, a cheaper price of cornflakes on the shelf, which I don't buy for a second, I mean, that, that would be the winner, right, Greg? Yeah. The, the downstream effects are the farmers get less guaranteed demand, which is, means more free market, which could mean, you know, lower or higher, but your, your security goes down, but your, uh, your price goes down also. Well, Greg, on Monday, uh, let's discuss, because uh, um, this is a bigger topic, let's, let's discuss your graph you had last week of everybody's expecting farmers to only make 80 grand last year on average versus a 400 grand this year. Uh, does that take the 80 grand down to 40? Um, well, the, <clears throat> the crops have probably gone down just straight, you know, corn, wheat, soy. You know, those are maybe down 40 or 50 cents or, or 60 cents per bushel. So it's not going to be... A lot of them are hedged out there already, too. So we don't know. Again, it's all about risk management. So the people who are smart, say, three months ago, two months ago, you know, three weeks ago, who were actually managing their risk and, say, buying puts or, or actually selling out the futures, those are the ones who said, you know, that was enough profit um, for me. And they locked in their, their cost, they locked in their price, and now they just got to execute. Um, but, you know, who knows how, what percentage of the farmers do that. So you never know that at what that average number is. So why didn't you, let's, let's push this off to Monday, but why, don't, why didn't you call in on Wednesday and say short bean oil? Why didn't I? I got up yesterday. Um, I was the only one buying a lot of it. I mean, (laughs) hopefully you made out all right. Spreading it off, but I got tired. Uh, Luckily, you know, I I didn't really get torched as much as some other people. But uh, it's it's just a wild ride. I don't recommend it unless you really have. Well, let's let's, when we know more about uh, where it all lands. Let's make it one of our big topics on Monday morning, bud. Maybe I'll see you later. If not, have a nice weekend. Um, have a nice weekend. Th- guys. Thank Sorry, you. So you're you're, 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 you're Jimmy Olson, Cub Reporter. Are you oh, like we'd that? Love that you get fired up about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is you want to be super bored this weekend. You guys can read about uh, D four biodiesel rins. Oh God. You know those are the government credits. I'm on it. I'm right on it. <laughs> so Kevin, last night I run into Greg and I go, he's telling me the story. I said, well, you got to call in. This this is a, this is a fascinating story. What do you mean? Everybody bored? No, they won't. <laughs> this this is a lot. It has to do with it has to do with the prices. Everybody pays for everything. It has to do with how the government operates. I mean, this is this is this is what we talk about, right? I mean, it's this is serious stuff. I think. Anyway, Greg, thank you, um, Kevin. I want to real boy talk about shift gears. Paul Harvey, page two. Back to Evelyn Chang. They get a load of this. The uh, trading in, in Welbo, China's version of Twitter, on Tuesday morning was the hashtag. If virus testing chaos never stops, the pandemic may never end. Does this start to sound real, real familiar? The the 15 publicly listed Chinese COVID testing companies, they have a total revenue of $12.2 billion in the first three quarters of this year. So they don't, they don't want to stop testing. Does this sound like vaccinations here? I mean, it'd be, it, is, it is so spectacular. Oh, and, and actually, you've got a lot of people now. You've got a lot more people who are not willing to take boosters. 
and, uh, and, and you know, they're, at, they're sort of asking the right question. What the hell kind of a vaccine do you have to boost every two months? Yeah. But it's, uh, uh, and, uh, and so they're pushing all the harder now and pushing all and pushing really really hard on you know schools and places yeah. like that because now we have this built up inventory of vaccines and uh, and they're all sitting there um, you know saying what the hell are we going to do with all of this so they're really pushing them harder and harder than ever well we're we're, we're seriously going into uh, you can't show up at school if you don't have a, uh, a shot which I, I boy that's that's a really wrong road to go in my opinion but well you know the other thing is it, it, the, the mentality change too. Uh, I saw the sign outside a, a pharmacy this week. Um, get your flu shot. Protect protect yourself and the community. So everything is now, you know, everything is now a, a virtue signal about, um, you know, you, you don't do it for yourself. Do it because it's, you know, you're, you're preserving uh, the community. We don't as as if. And again, you know, we're we're talking about this in a context of uh, develop. You know, all this crap we heard about protecting the community with by getting vaccinated. And it turns out, no, you can spread it too. Well, from what um, this is my, you know, many many years listening to the flu shot stuff. The, the, for, for people that don't know, and everybody I think knows this, is that what our people do, our people, the, the, whoever comes up with the formula, they do a sample of all the flus that are that are. And there's a bunch, you know, pretty much everyone's been cataloged. These flus, they they come back and forth, back and forth, and uh, so they they get some kind of an idea. Of which the four or five strains this year are prevalent down in Australia and all in South America and those kinds of places. When I say those kinds of places, those places that are their their winter is our summer. So they say, okay, these are the four that are liable to come north, or three or five, or in the shot, and they and they put those strains in there and they give you this flu shot. And if and if they miss and the the, the wrong strain shows up, the mantra has always been, if you take the other ones, that if you get the flu. Uh, it's probably not going to be as harsh as if you didn't take the shot at all. That, that's their fallback position, even if they miss. Whether they're right or wrong... When they're using yeah. on the uh, COVID vaccine. Yeah, but they're, whether they're right or wrong, I don't, you know. But never once, up until this year, have they even made the expression that if, if we've misfired or if we kind of miss it by even a little bit, and and maybe you're, instead of being sick for five days, you're going to be sick for three the, the the statement was never made, at least that I've ever heard, that somehow we were protecting other people because now all of a sudden you're not contagious or anything else. That's never been true, Kevin. So you're not you're not protecting anybody else by doing that. If, I, I guess if it's, if they really the hit new sales pitch, Tom, it's the new marketing slogan. I mean, I guess if I, mean, I actually don't know this. If if uh, if they if the strain is you know Andrew one one three CD coming out of Australia. If that's the strain that's in the shot, and you actually are exposed to Andrew One CD three, do you never get it, or do you, or does it come into your body and you you fight it off just faster? I I don't know really the answer to that. Do you? No. I mean, it's clearly not like like a smallpox vaccine. Where you, you just, <laughs> I think I think it's pretty random. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, I I'm sure that the that the uh, effort is legit that they try and find the because what's the most I actually did read this once. What's the most strange they put in the shot? It's like three or four. It's not like 12, right? Or, or is it? I, I don't know. I can't comment on that because I just don't know. Maybe we should we'll, I'll, I'll check. What, what I am saying is that, you know, my mistrust for the pharmaceuticals industry and the and more specifically the vaccination industry 
uh, is higher than it's ever been, and I'm now skeptical of damn near everything. You know, that's the same thing that's happened to me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe these guys. I just, I honestly don't. And I, and I know people are, are very critical of me that I sometimes I'll even meet in the Tripoli and say, "Chief, you don't believe anybody." And I say, "You know, I, they've made me like that. I, I didn't start out like that." <laughs> the South Side, you believe everything, right? From what your government tells you and your priest tells you and everything. I, I still would believe the priest more than I would the, than the. Uh, but I mean, these guys. I don't. I don't believe this guy from Pfizer for a second. Do you? I don't. I don't believe the people at. I mean, the, the guy at Apple about what he's doing back and forth with China. I mean, I, Kevin, I just—they've made me like that. I, I didn't start out like that. We were. We were kind of. We were always a little critical at Notre Dame when the group, group of us were there. But by and large, we sort of believed. I mean, I took the first uh, Jerry Ford. What was that swine flu shot? Didn't you? I don't remember. I bet you did. Um, we, we, I probably did, but I don't remember. I think I might have got it at school. Uh, they were giving them out there, and uh, you know, I, and it turns out the thing. Well, thank God, it never jumped from the, the swine, the swines to us. But uh, um, so, what do, you, what do you make? Uh, real quick, we only got a couple minutes before you have the Carl, and we get the numbers in a while. This uh, this thing with the with the uh, the, the Fed this week, uh, Kevin, the big. The big turnaround in the market, and basically the all clear, and they're going to start backing off on raising rates. I, I actually, if if you could explain it, if I could get you know twenty minutes somewhere and explain the story where I think the pitfalls are, I actually somewhat agree with their with their what they're doing here. I just wish that they would they would come out and actually explain what they're doing differently and better. I mean, does that that sound weird to you? I mean, I actually. I don't think that if they run right now, I don't think they have an ongoing inflation problem. They have a massive price bubble problem that 85% of the population can't deal with. And yet the price bubble, I think, is at least half of it, maybe more, is stuff the Fed can't touch. It's been a 20-year phenomenon. It's been hospitalization. It's been education. It's been taxes. It's been you name it. But it's... The Fed, I think, can if they if they run the interest rates to twenty percent, can drive the price of gasoline and chicken down. They're not going to change the price of your hospital room. It's been going up for twenty years. They're not going to change. Well, they're, they're not, and that's that's a problem because um, you know everybody is going to crow when we say, well, the rate of inflation is slowing, and it's you know it's and, and it might even get down, down to zero. But you haven't done a damn thing for all the people that we've damaged in the last few years, right? Um, until those prices go all the way down to where they were, or towards where they were, even, um, and that ain't happening. No, I mean, it, you know, and the weird part is, Kevin. I'm going to actually draw a connection between something I said at the first part of the hour and the second and the last part. Imagine that me doing that. What I was talking about with the PCE earlier is exactly what we're talking about now. As long as the stupid Fed actually believes in their heart of hearts. That, that medical costs for people are 5% of their basket, they're not going to realize what I just said. If they actually thought they were 22% of the economy, which I believe they are, they would act much differently because the, 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 uh, the, the cure would not be pulling money out of the system. It would be to break up those industries. It's a whole different cure, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. Yeah, we're just... All we'll do now is just trim around the edges uh, for a while. Now, maybe the Fed really believes that their work is done, but if they believe their work is done, it's, it's sort of like putting the, uh, 
patient into a inducing a coma for the patient. Yeah. And uh, in this case, if they if they think their work is done, that means uh, you know they've done enough to cause a uh, recession. Well, so you know, stand aside and let it happen. Well, they 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 bulged they they puked the money supply up thirty five percent to forty percent in two years. The price level, wherever you look at it, is up thirty five to forty percent everywhere. Okay, and so and now they're stopping, and here we are. We, we've got this price level thirty five to forty percent up. We have people with ten to fifteen percent, maybe increases in in, in uh, wages, with all the same with the increase in taxes and everything else that comes with it. So you've got people down essentially twenty percent in two and a half years. Those those to me are the stark numbers. Where where am I wrong? You're not. And I don't You're know. Not. And that's what I'm seeing too. Is people are just really having a hard time making ends meet. And I'm in an area where they were not having a hard time making ends meet for a long time. Well, Kevin, uh, we have a huge game against Michigan State. Are guys playing this weekend? Uh, they're playing Syracuse tomorrow at noon. Is it on somewhere? Uh, we come back on Sunday, and the women are playing uh, Connecticut. So. Is it on someplace, the Syracuse game? Yeah, it's uh, maybe ESPN2, I think, something like that. Uh, so it's, a, it's a noon Eastern game, so it'll be early for you. It'll be 11 o'clock. Are you going to be up by then? I'll be up. I'll be able to get my uh, linemen and uh, tires balanced, so maybe I'll figure out somehow to watch it. All right, bud, take care of yourself. SP Feeders down 250, and SP down 12. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. Don't forget, it's, it's Labor Day. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Hello, my face, Tyson Jackson. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down one and a quarter. Nasdaq Futures 975. A typical kind of slow morning before the labor numbers come out. So, is Carl with us? Yeah, I am. I have a couple of questions for you. I said, if you're going to be short limit uh, soybean oil uh, before. Oh, God. <laughs> why don't you do that through PTI? We'd be happy to have your account. Yeah, well, you know, um, I, I, I do trade futures. But usually it's the spoos, you know, the, the E-minis are, or now, if you only feel like uh, dealing with the smaller amounts, uh, which the CME was kind enough to do because the margin requirement, you know, as, as the price has gone up, the margin requirements, of course, have gone up, too. Um, so now they have the micro. Yes. Yeah. Well, the E-minis are, uh, well, I mean, I don't know, the big spoos aren't even on the board anymore. No, but the, but the E-mini, um, you know, it's the funny thing is, is that, you know, and it, when the, the spoos were trading, you know, fifteen hundred, the uh, the margin requirement was was still sizable, but it was somewhat reasonable. Now, now it's considerably more because the price of the contracts higher. Yeah, well, yeah, well. So I mean, yeah, it moves it moves along with the price of the contract, right? And so it uh, that's I assume that's the reason that all of a sudden the MES as opposed to the ES, uh, you know, got opened up is that. The, these guys looked at it and said, "Hey, you know, this is actually beyond, you know, where a lot of retail people can uh, can play just because the amount of money necessary to even trade one contract is is larger than what people have." Well, when I traded in the uh, OEX, it was uh, it was like two hundred bucks, two fifty. Now it's eighteen hundred. I mean, how the hell do you? Well, yeah. I mean, think about the margin difference there, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, so, I mean you know, ten percent is hundred eight hours. It's a lot. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's that's, but that's the thing. It's that you know. So, I, I mean, that's how it goes. Yeah, I was, I was listening to your your first hour, and uh, you actually, you guys actually got into something that I have back in the queue as an article um, that isn't finished yet, and it's it's pretty dark. So I have to be a little careful about exactly how I phrase it when I post this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that is, but that is the incentive system um, that we have really outlined with the government when it comes to all sorts of things with COVID. Uh, and and but it it didn't start there. It's just that it got brought into stark relief because it impacted so many people. Okay, but the problem is, has been there in so many different areas when it comes to, particularly when it comes to government, but also with large corporate actors too. And that is, there are many things that they do where suing is not an adequate remedy because, number one, it takes five years to actually get these guys with a lawsuit. Right. Uh, and secondly, money isn't a remedy for whatever it is they did to you. Right? Money doesn't solve the problem. Okay? And, it, and there's, there's a real issue there uh, you know, in the context of COVID, a lot of this stuff uh, went there. For you know, just as one example, I've, I've banged on this drum a number of times during the, this you know the last few years. 
This thing was remdesivir, where it had failed during Ebola. They tried to use it as a as a treatment against Ebola, which of course is a really really nasty virus. It kills a whole lot of people, as opposed to you know COVID kills a few people. Um, and they stopped the trial because more people were dying in the arm that got that treatment than people who were not getting it at all. Well, that's a lot. So, so it had negative effectiveness. <laughs> okay, It wasn't just worthless, it actually killed people. And so they stopped the trial. And, and it was a multi-arm trial. This was, and, and like most of these things, which feeds into this problem, these studies typically don't get reported out sometimes for a year, two years, three years later. Uh, this one was actually published in 2019, where they, they shut this arm of the trial down because it wasn't doing anything. So when they put this into the protocols where they paid hospitals to use it, they knew that this did not work against viral infections. They knew this. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't speculation. And they also knew it was dangerous because people, more people died, okay? They didn't know how dangerous, but they knew it was dangerous. So, where's informed consent? And by the way, the way it, it killed people when it did the last time was that it killed your kidneys, destroyed your kidneys. And so, if, if, you know, if that happens to you and you're fighting off some kind of infection, you're in a lot of trouble. So, th- this where was the informed consent? I mean, it's totally missing. Okay, nobody said anything about. Oh, by the way, this this drug is a, actually is a three time loser with COVID because it had failed originally when it was developed, then it failed again with Ebola, and and it didn't just fail on effectiveness; it failed on safety. Did anybody sign a piece of paper that said we know this thing's failed twice? And, and uh, by the way, we're not really sure if this works, but you know we won't give it to you anyway. Uh, Science piece of paper that says we know these things. That it actually killed more people during Ebola than if they got they didn't get it, and uh, but but it's okay that you give it to me. You never I, I don't know. never let the facts get in the way of a good story, Carl. Well, but you know what? Here's the problem: suing the hospital or suing the government does not bring back your dead grandfather. Well, no, and I, I without even going that far, what you what you started the argument out with or argument your your statement. We're not arguing. Uh, your statement was that uh, it's inefficient to sue people. What's also, if you would, I'll go back to one of my classes at the University of Chicago, and we had a we had to take a class, Carlin, like uh, it wasn't just accounting or marketing. It had to be like practical, like other stuff. And the guy talked about doing uh, studies in hospitals and trying to figure out which hospitals were better and how you do that, use regression analysis, how you even pick the items because it's so subjective. Anyway, we went into all kinds of stuff. It got into, uh, uh, you know, designing uh, executive bonus packages, but one of the things they talked about was crime and punishment. Right. And if you if you take the, uh, he said, we're going we're to make an assumption on day one because we're going to take two weeks doing this. Day one assumption is there's rational crime and there's irrational crime. And it my, my and in his opinion was 90% of crime is somewhat somewhat rational you know they got it we want it let's take it uh he said we're not we're not going to find a way to you know murders or somebody grabs your girlfriend so you knife the guy we're not we're not, we're not going to talk about that because those are we're going to say those are irrational or or whatever the hell they are he said most other crime are, are, are very rational i mean what are right. what are you know i'm going to go take this and then 
He said, but so when you have a, a system of fines, he said the fine or whatever, whatever the, he says you, then the, I remember the uh, example he used is you can't be, he goes, if, if somebody's going to steal a case of beer from the 7-Eleven, uh, he goes, okay, we're going to steal a case of beer, what could happen to us? Well, if you got a 25% of getting caught, per chance of getting caught, and they say, give back the case of beer, well, guess what? The I'm going to steal beer. Yeah, but they're going to steal a beer. So it, whatever it is, you need the people who are doing the fining have to have some sense of how much people actually made by whatever it is they did. And in the case of beer, it's pretty obvious. you got a case of beer. You guys been in a bank doing something weird or some company doing an antitrust or something like that. That's why when they wrote the Clayton Act or Sherman Act, they, they made an estimate that at least has to be trouble damages, right? Because obviously they made a lot more than you think they did. And, uh, well, I, uh, oh, no, Chief, not only that. The Sherman Act, if you, if you read 15 U.S.C. Chapter 1, okay, which I cite all the time, the law that is that today is never enforced. It's not. Not only is it trouble damages. It's ten years in camp. Well, yeah, well, it's a felony. But I'm saying, but it, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth between the law and what this guy was saying. But it, his point was, if if you actually, if if some bank did whatever dastardly things they do, Wells Fargo or Bank of America, if the fine instead of being ten billion dollars, he goes probably they made fifty. So so if you knew they made fifty. And you knew knew they had a, a 25% chance, chance of getting getting caught, and you find them 200 billion, which of course in our country would go, how can you do that? They only made 50. He said, if you actually find them 200, then the, the next time the board got together and say, we're not doing that ever again, because guess what? That was a bad idea. Right. Well, but but the thing is, is that part of, part of the problem, um, and and this is why you've seen this kind of stuff with FTX and uh, you know and these other related institutions and uh, you know so much of the white collar stuff that has screwed people over the last you know 20 30 years I mean, you know, all the liar loans that went on before the blow up in 2008 okay and that caused it yeah there was there was no penalty that mattered that was ever applied to any of the people who did those things all right and and IndyMac was an Especially egregious example of this. IndyMac was one of the banks that blew up during that time. IndyMac blew up because during their normal quarterly reconciliation between deposits and reserves and things like this, they backdated deposits after they knew what the number was that they had to hit. Okay, so they, they literally lied and cheated the books. All right, now this is something that the examiners should have instantly caught when they came in, and people should have gone to jail. Right there. You close the bank, people go to jail. Period. End of discussion. Well, they didn't, and a few months later, IndyMac blew up. The FDIC comes in, seizes themselves off the assets, and you know, yada, yada. All right, fine. But when the actual analysis on this thing was done, one of the people within the FDIC machinery knew about it, ignored it on purpose this was proved and that person was allowed to retire from the u.s government's payroll was not prosecuted even though he was personally involved in the fraud what was his what was his motivation was he like stock well, well, be, be, oh it gets oh, chief it gets much better it gets much better this guy was a, a two-time offender during the snl crisis 
he did the same thing with one of the SNLs. Really? And didn't get arrested and prosecuted or even canned for doing it then. Yeah, we're not big on uh, enforcement at some levels of society, are we? Well, if you want to know why he did it the second time, it's because he got away with it the first time. I would say, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> okay. but, but, I mean, you know, that's, that's fairly easy, right? But what did, what did he make from the SNL? I mean, how did he get paid? Well, for I, I, well, he, he he kept his job, and he was. He, he, I'm sure that the the, the SLs thought he was a great. That, hey, he's a great guy, man. He would, you know, look, he let's get away with this little thing. But I mean, he didn't. They didn't like shove an envelope in his pocket like it was Illinois, did they? Well, who knows? I mean, I I don't know that it was ever. I, I never saw any reporting on whether or not he was literally bribed. Or whether it was just a question of, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. By the way, uh, you know, your bar tab down at uh, the local corner is on me. Well, I mean, there has to be something. I mean, I, I, mean, is he ever, I, mean, I don't think he has a Russian-style yacht, but, I mean, I mean why, would you, why would you do that? I mean, other, other than... Well, I, well, you wouldn't think anybody would do that, would you? No, I mean, you're, you're in that job because you you're supposed to have some, some, uh, some honor. I mean, it's, you know, whatever. I guess you're supposed to... Well, okay... You're supposed to have some honor. So what did we just have happen just in the last couple of days with this guy that Biden claims was the best thing since sliced bread, MIT degree, and by the way, he's in charge of our spent nuclear fuel. Oh, I didn't. But the real reason he was probably hired was because he checked a bunch of tick boxes for, you know, DIE or DEI or whatever you want to call it. And he gets caught ripping off a, a, a piece of luggage, rather expensive one. The best part of it is he never checked the bag on that flight. So what reason did he ever have to be in the baggage claim area to begin with? Well, that's where, that's where you got to, if you're going to steal one, that's where you got to go. Well, yeah, so he obviously <laughs> he stole this on purpose. Now, th- this is a dude that has a, a well-paying job in the federal guard. He certainly doesn't need to steal a $2,500 suitcase, okay? But he did. And and they got him on video taking the tags off of it that were you know that you know the bag tag that says you know this bag is owned by blah blah blah. They they got him. He tried to claim it was an accident, but first off, he never checked the bag. Secondly, they got him on video taking the tag off. Well, the moral of the story is don't have a twenty five hundred piece of luggage. Well, there's that. Yeah, but then the, the second question is, um, excuse me, this is the guy that that uh, is overseeing. What we do with our spent nuclear fuel—that's uh, interesting. That's a problem. Okay, we're not talking about some dude that just pushes paper around and you know. Okay, he's you know he he's he's the guy that uh, looks at your disability claim from Social Security, whatever. No, 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 no. This is this is the and and, and this is a guy who actually went through Biden appointed him. Okay, this is a direct appointment by the president of the United States. Well, how do these guys? It is. Well, I don't want to get going to who, who's got more crooks on their side. Look at all the crooks that Trump appointed. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I'm just. I mean, you know, look. This is not. I don't know. This, this is not. This is not a, an issue. This is a simple side of the aisle, right? Well, I mean, those are. The, I mean, uh, you know, when you when you when you lay down with log, dogs, you wake up with fleas. I mean, it, th- this, these are the people they hang around with, Carl. You know, it looks it it looks to me. Well, how you doing? Look at this other thing that just blew up. Okay. Kane or Yi or whatever whatever he wants to call himself these days, you know, blew up the world by you know by making some rather st- 
strongly anti-Semitic comments the other day. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, it's pretty hard to argue that praising Hitler would be uh, would not be anti-Semitic. <laughs> I mean, that's that was pretty open and shut. Um, all right. So here's the thing. How about Obama, who met with Farrakhan? Farrakhan used to live on multiple occasions. You tell how many times has Farrakhan made statements that are yeah. are I mean. It's kind of stuff that makes your your hair blow back when you hear it. He used to live in my hood. I, but I mean, this guy is a is a raging anti semite. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he, and he always has been, and it's and it's not like it's news to somebody or that he you know he suddenly shifted. I mean, I, I Connie, mean, maybe you know, there's people that think that he's uh, you know he's basically having some kind of a psychic breakdown or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe he is. Maybe he's you know mentally gone. Maybe it's too much drugs. Who who knows? All right. But Farrakhan has been, you know, screaming about this stuff for forty years. Well, it's, you know, it's it's a very bizarre thing. By the way, he had a nice house in Beverly, on Damon, like ninety fourth and Damon. And every every time he went by, he went by there because Damon was like the one street you get out of Beverly that did light. Uh, there was a, there was a guy who walked back and forth a bodyguard on his sidewalk. I don't know what the guy did all day except say hello to people walking by with their dogs. I mean. Poor, what, what a horrible job that was! Just imagine, well, imagine and, and uh, by the way, where's all the money come from? That you know, <laughs> well, you know what the guy was always I, I, the guy was absolutely always dressed to the max. Well, Farrakhan always is dressed to the max. Well, yeah, but I mean, but this kind of stuff is like everywhere, right? And and so I just I look at these kinds of, of situations and say, what in the blankety blank are we doing here? Well, I mean, when, when you start uh, talking and, about and people talk about the. Well, you know, go sue or go where. Look, when you have when you have a den of thieves who doesn't who they, and they don't care because they personally are never held responsible. The same thing's true within the corporate world. The worst thing that ever happens to these guys is that they get fired, and in the process, they get a golden parachute and they get a hundred million dollars anyway. So they really don't care. You know, they, they get to keep their mansion and their Tesla, and they they, yeah. they could care less. But it, this, I mean, I I, I don't. I don't, I'm not going to go have a, a beer with Luis or any of these other guys, but the, the thing is, oh, Carl, I mean, the idea that if there, mo- most people in the world that I know, including maybe the guy in the mirror, are not perfect. You said something wrong sometime. I can only imagine okay. if I ever ran for office and somebody dissected everything I said on the show, some of the stuff I say just to, to get an idea out of somebody else that isn't really what I, you know, not my true, I'm not, saying, I'm not lying, you know what I'm saying, but I... If I might say something to, to prod you to say something to because I, I, I really know you know more about a subject than you're, you're letting on sort of it, it's nothing you, you could you can do that to anybody I mean I don't know necessarily that if, if I walked by Luis on the sidewalk and he was walking out the door and he said hello to me I wouldn't say hello back why you know I mean it's there's different levels of participation with people oh absolutely and I, you know I mean I've, I've you know I've had people over the years that just, when it, <laughs> When I was in Chicago, and then when I was in Florida, and uh, you know, and, uh, onward, you know, oh, you ought to run for Congress, or you know, whatever. It is. You know what? First off, everything that anyone ever does on the internet is never gone. Yeah, I don't, I don't care what you do, you can't erase it. Somebody's got a copy of it; it's there somewhere. I am absolutely unelectable because people will go back and they look at all this stuff. And well, sure. You can always find something, right? Well, plus <laughs> so it's the only. Well, that guy's a creep because he was blah 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 blah, because well, and. And then, you know, they ignore the fact that four or five days later, I said something on the exact opposite side 
uh, well, the, subject, but on the opposite side. The, 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 uh, I think the, the sin, if there's such a thing, wow, there's a term. The sin is, there's, the, there, there's a book on Andrew that's, that's a bazillion pages long. It's everything Andrew's ever done, and Andrew's only 20-something. There's a much bigger book on Carl Denninger, and there's a bigger book on Tom Howe. And I'm going to say, right. you, could, you could look through the thousand pages on Carl Denninger or Tom Howe, and you're going to find a page that you don't like. And maybe it's a page I don't even like. But there's right. 999 other ones. And I don't know that anybody in this life's ever been perfect. I mean, I mean if, I was, if I was sitting up at the other place, top, top something something, there was a hamburger joint in Beverly. And if I'm sitting at the counter having a burger, and Luis sits down next to me, and we talked about the weather and had a burger, I'm not in his business. I'm not approving what he does. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, the last thing I want to do is, is a, a shout-out anti-Semitic because he may feel that way. What if somebody takes a picture of that and it goes viral? Why should, why should that screw me for the rest of my life? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and, and, you know, it just never ceases to amaze me. You know, there was this, uh, there was this huge blow-up about the whole, the whole thing with Yee, and uh, that he and this other guy, uh, you know, had dinner with Trump, right? And and this is supposedly hard proof that Trump is unfit to ever hold a public office again no, because he had dinner with a guy. All right. Well, um, excuse me. I just saw Barack Obama yesterday running around telling everybody to go vote for Warmuck in Georgia. And how many times did he meet with Farrakhan? Yeah, well, but I'm, I guess what I'm saying I is... Mean, but the thing is this. If you're blackballing people for this sort of thing, yeah. then, then hey, let's, let's uh, you know, the, president, the former president of the United States has no right to speak to anybody in public and ever get a single television camera pointed at him again, ever, period. End of conversation. But I, I, well, guess what? That's not how it works. But there is a, so, there is a slight difference between me having a, a, a casual conversation with somebody... And in the midst of a huge crisis, this guy Kanye has to single him out for dinner privately. I think there's somewhat of a level change there. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with well, you. Well, sure, there, there is. But then again, what what Barack did with Farrakhan is in the same category as what Trump did with Kanye. Well, I, I would actually, to be honest, Carl, in my my new way of looking at the world, I may disagree with you, which I don't really, by the way. I may disagree with. Luis Farrakhan vehemently on a lot of issues, but I actually would like to know what he what he's seeing that makes him feel that way. I, I might I probably disagree with it totally, but somehow or another he's come to this conclusion, and I and I'd, I'd kind of like to know how he got there. To be honest with you, yeah, it's you know it's one of the things one of the things that happens when when this kind of, of suppression of speech really gets cranking and we've seen it you know in so many different areas is that the why question can't be asked anymore and uh, unfortunately for those people who are you know who are not on the far fringe one way or another that's one of the key elements that's one of the key questions yeah i I mean, and, shut, and shutting that question down is bad for society as a whole. I, I mean, it, you know, one of the things that, that you said was, you know, well, well, Hitler had his redeeming qualities. Um, well, you know, gee, if you look at that from the standpoint of anti-Semitism, uh, boy, that sounds like a, a you know, a damning indictment. Yeah. Um, okay, Volkswagen exists because Adolf Hitler existed. 
Well, I've actually done a, well, I'm trying to do a lot of study, and, and, I, and I've said a lot of stuff about Hitler. I'm going to say he didn't have any redeeming qualities, but he had some incredible skill sets. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, that's a different. That's a different story. Him, you know, let's say that, it, and, and I've had this debate with people before, which gets kind of interesting. Is if if you had a time machine, if you had Orson Welles' time machine, and you could go back into the early 1930s and assassinate him, would you be morally justified in doing it? I would say that if you're going to do that. You did it about two days before he invaded Poland. Be- well, I, but you know, well, well. Now wait a minute. If you did it two days before he invaded Poland, would the other people who were within the Nazi regime at that point had taken over and done what he did anyway? Well, you might have to take a, a few other guys out. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just saying. You know, you have to. There's there's that element of it, and that's one of the, the things that came into the debate when I've you know when I've had this debate with people in the past is that it gets kind of interesting because it's like well. Okay, you whack this one guy, but does that actually change anything? Well, you can't you can't uh, disavow because we're going to go to break here, a quick break, and so we we'll can back with yep. the number. We'll talk about this after. You, you can't disavow. I'm 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 very fascinated by the fact that Germany was in such a dramatic amount of upheaval, and there had to be how many fifty parties and all these losers running around, and all of a sudden one guy makes it to the fore. What what made him so different? What made him so special? What was the skill set? Because a lot of times, the most deranged per- people have the most incredible skill sets in other in other ways. Anyway, we're going to go r- real quick, Carl. We'll come back with these numbers. SP Futures down 25, NASDAQ Futures down 97. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, no back stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. Ouch on the market. Here, S&P futures down 71. Nasdaq futures down 300. As the numbers came in at uh, positive 263, it was supposed to be 200. 3.7% unemployment. Uh, boy, these numbers are, are bizarre, Carl. I'm looking at the uh, household oh, no, numbers. No, no, this, this is, uh, you want to talk about a, a uh, rigged game, okay? Now, this is either rank incompetence on the part of the people of the BLS, or it's ridiculous political interference. I'm not sure which it is, but this is the, the internals in this report, the, the non-adjusted uh, household survey, uh, neg three ninety five, and six hundred fifty four thousand people left the workforce. I've got on the, on the adjusted numbers. I got one hundred eighty thousand people left. Or in the when we got. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the adjusted nonsense, though. But the thing is, is that when you look at this, you go, you go back and look at twenty nineteen, okay, which was you know prior to COVID, when you know at least in theory this was you know this was less of an issue. Um, and you get the move upward, a small move upward in the NILF number in November. On a, I mean, that's normal. Okay. But November is also normally a, a modest hiring month for the holidays. October is the larger one. But, you, but the, it, you know, so the, the counterbalance is there. Uh, 2019, the household survey number was neg 122. Uh, and 2019 was, you know, was not a bad year. All right, so and and that's uh, you know, if you go back and you look at the, you know, at some of the other, you know, some of the others like 2018, it was actually positive 63 on an unadjusted number. Okay, and again, a small increase in the not in labor force, uh, and and 2016 uh, was plus 50. So. Uh, you know, this this time we're next 395. So anybody that says that this is not a soft market has rocks in their head. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, not only are, are the, the numbers, well, your numbers are, you just quoted soft. This is this is a record number of people. We've got 140,000 people jumped into this. We don't know what the hell they're doing, permanently retired, whatever they are column. That's a, that's a record number in that column. Well, it's 654. Six hundred fifty-four thousand on unadjusted household, it's, which is which is I mean that's large, okay. And um, I mean it's not record by any stretch of the imagination, but it's large. Uh, you know, I mean back in twenty twenty, you know, we we saw a million. There was there was one month that we had seven and a half million people that uh, popped into that <laughs> bucket. <laughs> well, here I mean I'm looking at the even on the adjusted numbers, Carl. Now I'm I'm looking at the page that if everybody looks at these numbers in detail, like I do. 
uh, are going to look at the page I'm looking at. Now, if people look at the numbers like you do in, in detail, detail squared, you're looking at a different page. But on this particular page, it shows um, 100, there's 264, 200,000, 170,000 more people available for work over 16. There's right. actually, there's actually uh, 180,000 less in the workforce, and there's essentially uh, 400,000 are going into the, we don't know what the hell they're doing column, and some of them are actually, uh, we have less people working, which is really bizarre, uh, 100, 130,000 less, virtually the same amount of people in unemployment, but this is what, the part that I, I, uh, I can't emphasize enough, Carl, and I think you agree with me, the interplay between the three numbers, the people that are working, the people that are supposedly looking for their job, hence unemployed, and the people we're not counting, we don't know what they're doing. That number is a hundred. It's it's a hundred million people, and the, the amount of people looking for jobs is six million. So it's such a small percentage that how do you know how many of those people are looking for jobs? They're just not getting a check, right? Well, yeah, and and but again, you have two surveys there. You have the establishment survey, which is uh, you know, which is basically I mean that's they call up a company, right? And then you have the you have the household survey where they call up a house. And there's a number of discontinuities that come up in there, one of them being that if you have more than one job, in the household survey you count once, but in the establishment survey you count twice, all right, because the two companies don't know about each other. So when they ask how many people do you employ, you know, when I was running MCS, if they called me up, I'd say, well, you know, we have 38 full-time employees. Okay, bye, click. Um, but one of those people is also working at McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> right? and it, because he, he had a line job and he wasn't making much money, so he's moonlighting doing something else, or maybe he's moonlighting doing you know part-time tech support or customer service for me, and his main job is something else. Who knows? Uh, but he only gets counted; he gets counted two times on the establishment survey because the two companies don't know about each. Other. But in the household survey, he counts as one employee. So there's there's intentional discontinuities in here that are just because of the way the sampling's done. It's not somebody trying to play a game. One of the interesting things in this report, and I and this I don't like, um, is that there has been a fairly substantial about three hundred thousand. Well, let's see. It's, it may even be more than that. Uh, it is. It's a uh, boy. What about three fifty? Um, loss of people in the employed side with bachelor's degrees and higher. So there's about 300,000 people that have been fired or have died, one or two. I'm willing to bet 300,000 bachelor degree holding people didn't die last month. Uh, so I would, I would guess most of those got fired. Uh, the, in the other buckets, the data looks normal. So in the high school graduates, uh, it barely moved. Um, in the, the, the doubt a little bit in the high school graduates, but no college. But that's that's not all that uncommon because people you know people go to school, right? Some college didn't move much, um, and and neither did the people with no degree at all, no diploma, or anything. But where we saw the fall off, and it's it's quite significant, is in people with higher degrees. Well, that's the Silicon Valley people giving everybody right a lot of it, right? So I so I, I this is probably. To a significant degree, this is the you know all those guys that Musk fired. Um, most of them probably ended up in this in this month's report because the sample week is the third week. So, 
probably ended up in there. If they didn't, they'll they'll be in the next you know next month. Um, but yeah, there's and, and that's a very significant number. That's that's not small. So the other thing that I'm looking at right now, that I'm looking for, is uh, what do we got in the way of wages? And and because you know wage wage numbers are of course important too. And we'll see whether or not that slowed down. In hours, uh, average uh, d- d- weekly hours uh, are down a tick. Now on a total basis. Now this is extremely important because every tick in that number is about six hundred thousand jobs. Now what uh, you you've mentioned on several occasions. Um, that one, the one absorption we had 30 years ago, 40 years ago, was we went from one person in a household working and essentially covering, you know, granted the houses didn't, weren't the same as they are now, neither are the cars, I get that part. Right. But basically, we had one-income households, even at the blue-collar level, or even, I, mean, I, I knew guys that were, an assistant manager in the jewel store that had the bungalow and the, and the you know the, the oh yeah the Chevy no, was, yeah absolutely I mean I, the, you know, my father was you know he was a CPA but he he was the working man and well I'm saying is and you said the the the, 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 the slippage is now it's 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 two incomes to own a house and those kinds of things in most most cases but I think it's it's making its further iteration I've had a lot of people write in that uh, actually one was asked Carl. We're now having one of one of the two wage earners having having a uh, second job. You know, where the person is. I mean, if your dad was a CPA and your mom was working, now your dad's doing taxes for the neighbors on a Saturday or Sunday. I mean, right. So there's there's the, we're having we're having people with the family now of two people now has the 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 two and a half jobs is getting somewhat I won't say normal but increasing. So that that would that would certainly cause this number on the on the establishment survey to be big when the underpinnings are, are kind of falling apart is, is it right yeah well that's that's exactly right because what you're going to have is the establishment survey is going to show job growth that that is not new people coming into the workforce that weren't there before not unemployed people that now are employed what you're seeing is is the double counting which is inherent in the way that the survey works because the two the two establishments don't know about each other. Well, some. Of the not, I mean, that's not fraud. It's just it's it's the way the survey works. But when you look at the household number, the household number says that we lost jobs last month. Well, if you look at I, there was an article this week, and, I, and what, I, what I try and do for myself and and, and for the people who can uh, contribute, like Carl, and certainly for the li- listeners, I, I try as best I can, Carl, to go from the macro to the micro. You know, as 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 quick as because when it comes comes to the end of the day, it's every person in this country. It's not a number. It's not 164 million. It's every single person of the 164 adding up to 164. Right. So, an article this week in a Tribune, actually yesterday, regarding the Chicago police force and how you know difficult it is to be a cop and blah blah blah. But it's still a, a, right. a, a decent job. Well, this last year, well, we're not over yet, but in 2022, they got 1,700 people that have retired. 1760 or something yeah. number, and counting and they've hired 2100 new people and I'm thinking that out of that 1700 that retired not one of them may, I want, that's too harsh very few of them are 65 years old and now all of a sudden we're going to have a lot of people between the ages of I'm gonna, I don't know the exact numbers I mean, 48, 50, 52 
they're all of a sudden going to get this retirement check. I don't see how the city of Chicago now pays 4,000 people for the same 2,000 jobs. And now those people are all in this last column, right? Yeah, it's, you know, the other thing that's, that's and I've been hammering on this for forever, is health care was plus 45,000 this last month. Now, over the last 20 years, the statistical average is about 30. Take the, take the pandemic firings, you know, when they take the license because, gee, we were all going to die, and then nobody did, and at least statistically nobody did, and so you ended up laying off people because they didn't need the, the staff in there at that particular point. Those, those people have been brought back, and, and you know, that, that dislocation is gone. We have a, a section of our economy that is inherently, I don't care how you feel about health care, it is inherently parasitic because it produces nothing, but it allows other people to produce. So you can look at it as a symbiotic relationship, or you can look at a parasitic relationship, however you, you feel like characterizing it. It's about 20% of the economy. 20% of everything produced in the, in the economy goes there. Nine out of ten of the people in that field never provide a single second of care to a single person. Well, that's that's the term overhead, right? Well, yeah, except that in in any kind of competitive marketplace, if you tried to do something like that, you, 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 somebody run you over with the bus and then back uh, up to make sure they got your head because they they kill you in the free market. I don't. Okay, well, I mean, if, all, if somebody tried to. If we had a competitor that was doing that when I was running MCS, we would have eaten them for breakfast. Okay, but now you just you just said something there that I'm not going to say. Dis- right, yeah, in a free market. Yeah, in a free market. Right, in a free market, which doesn't exist in this in this environment. And what you're hearing from a lot of you know with with all this stuff, uh, you know, all the things that went on during COVID. You, you know, you you have people getting harassed when they try to go out for a run in the morning and things like this. Or, or even threatened with arrest, along with all the mandates and everything else, in a in a free society and in a free market, the middle finger goes up awfully fast because somebody has a better idea, and they prove it by making money where the other guy loses. See, now, right? you, you, if, if you're going to be an economics professor, whenever you give a test, you have to give the question, then you have to say, assume a free market, assume a monopoly, assume... An oligopoly, because right. otherwise the, the answers are all different. I, I actually, uh, we have plenty of time, but I, I, I don't want to forget this one. You just mentioned the the uh, hospital community and how many people are hiring. But what's what's going on in the internals of that is uh, Northwestern. It used to be one of the greatest hospitals in the world. Now has become God knows what. But they're right. but they're buying other play. But they say they bought. In, when I say this in a free market, anything where somebody gets screwed someplace or screwed or somebody who you're able to be beat up on costs somewhere else in a free market it's it means that the prices somehow are going to come down to other people and there's now more money to do something else with that's how the economy is supposed to work and what i'm saying in some of these industries because i want to get to a republican question for you in a second uh what's happening in one of the hospitals out south i won't name it is the nurses are, are basically bitching because there's not enough of them and by the way they're not getting paid enough Right. And uh, and I'm going to say that my, my heart is always on the size of... But now they're getting rid of, quote, nurses, and they're going with these, what do they call them, medical assistants? Well, yeah, because they're cheaper. But I'm saying, it, it, but if you look at what a nurse makes, and you might say, gee, compared to 
you know, me living under the bridge, that's a lot of money. But if you if you lay in that bed for a day and they charge you ten grand for the night, or whatever they're charging at some of these places, you say that the the poor lady, the poor lady, I just paid her fifty bucks. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> I mean, does it? But she's doing all the work. It appears to me. I mean, so it's in, in the midst of this monopolization of these hospital areas. We're beating the hell out of these these people, but yet the head of I'm going to assume Northwestern never won a year without a huge raise. Chief, tell yeah. me tell me where in, in what industry that hasn't been the case. Well, I'm saying is it, whenever it happens to where it's uh, monopoly power, the the difference I think, Carl, is first of all everybody who, who runs a restaurant, if he can squeeze business you know money out of there. And then run it more efficiently. Okay, somebody else is going to pick up on it. Somebody else is going to pick up on it. It's a competitive industry. Or right, and all of a sudden there's another restaurant across the street. When all of a sudden somebody's going to say the hamburger is no longer eleven dollars, I'll sell it for ten. Right. So, 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 but it, but in the case of what's going on in the hospitalization area is exactly the same as what happened in the railroad situation. Yep. With, with Union Pacific, well, we're not going to pay anybody for sick days, and we're going to have everybody on call twenty four seven. How is it exactly when they just passed this thing, in, imposing these contracts on these people? What what possessed the Republican Party to vote down the one saying you get seven sick days instead of one? You know, I, I there is there is so much in the in the realm of the political world that goes on that makes absolutely no sense. Um, you know, I understand where the where the law came from that gave Congress the ability to do this in the first place, and it's you can argue that it was stupid, but I understand why it happened. Okay, then again, it's selective enforcement, and that's always where the issue comes from because it, it, uh, roughly about the same time, fifteen United States Code Chapter One was passed which says any attempt to monopolize, restrain trade, or fix prices is 10 years in the slam-slam, you know, go make a date with your new friend, right? Because guess what? You're going to be living with him for the next 10 years. And uh, he, he probably is going to enjoy your company. This, this has never been enforced in the modern era. In the last 50 years, how many, how many people have gone to prison for violating antitrust? Tim Cook... Uh, and it was, or as I like to call him, crook, uh, you know, has his stranglehold over this. Oh, but that's not a monopoly. Oh, really? So when Apple and Google colluded together, along with the other social media companies, to censor opinions they didn't like about the pandemic, and the evidence is that they did, and that the, that the government was directly involved in it, because there are now emails that oh, yeah. FOIA, and, and there it is. Every one of those people ought to be sitting in prison right now. All of them. All right, but I, I guess I'm trying to be an economics class here in, in, in 10 minutes, and, and, it, and it's very difficult to do it. I, I, first of all, I'm, I'm with you on the Apple and Google. Plus, I think because Apple and Google are such, you know, always in the news doing this kind of crap, basically, Microsoft is probably the biggest quiet monopolist ever. <laughs> I mean, oh, my, well, Microsoft is, is at least as bad, if not worse. Yeah. But the, but the, the whole point behind this, though, Chief, is, you know, as, as we've talked about before, if somebody defects, 
the whole concept behind we don't need to do anything with this is if there's 10 guys selling carpet and they all get together and, and agree that they're going to raise the price of carpet by $3 a yard, right? right. Somebody's going to say, oh, screw that. I could kill all these other dudes and sell it for $2. Well, I'm going to beat them all. Well, the biggest example so, of that, Carl, is, is OPEC. They never can. Well, but that's the game yeah. theory, okay? That you know that, that supposedly underlies all this. But then you have things like OPEC, where where not only did are are they doing this sort of stuff and fixing prices, but the nature of commodities is that if you want to burn a million barrels of oil, you're going to pay for all of the million at whatever the last one costs. Yeah. All right. That's that's just the way it works. And then you have situations that occurred. With, specifically with OPEC, after the, after the oil crisis in the 1970s, Congress actually exempted them from antitrust. Right, well, as, as Milton Friedman said in class one day, I remember some of the stuff the guy said, he goes, it's a big worry, but it's not as big a worry as you think it is because they're all going to cheat and they can't discipline each other. That's the biggest problem in a, in a cartel is they all cheat. Well, yeah, and so, you know, there was there was a fair bit of that. All right. So yeah, I mean there's some. But you look at the you look at the hidden cartels. Yeah. I mean, you know, OPEC is an open cartel, right? I mean, we all know it's there. We all we all you know, we all look at that. You look at WTI, you look at Brent. Hey, guess what? There's a spread between those prices. How's that? This is a global commodity. What I'm, uh, and yet at times the spread's pretty significant too. But I'm, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to get here, Carl, I'm trying to get back to this uh uh railroad thing. Not not because yeah. I'm beat up on it, but the you and I, we just had a nice discussion. I hope the listeners felt the same way. Of what companies now that exercise monopoly power that they, they, they would like to tell you that they don't, which means they probably should be caught and go to jail. But the railroads essentially have been a monopoly for 100 years. So Well, yeah, because there's only so many tracks. Well, there's, there's, there's five railroads in the entire country, and we've allowed every right. one of them to merge. But I'm saying is... is if you're in Congress, or if you're anywhere, if you're in the Department of Labor or whatever, knowing that the Union Pacific, for instance, is a monopoly, basically, or the Burlington Northern, or, or well, that monopoly, there's, what's well, the Union Pacific, Southern Pacific, it's the Burlington Northern, so there's two, there's, there's an oligopoly, a duopoly in the western part of the country, I'll, I'll be exact, it's a duopoly, correct? And, and, and yeah. But even worse than that, because you really can't take the Southern Pacific to Omaha, in order to, uh, well, I was going to say, it yeah. depends on the route, but yeah, yeah I mean, at best case, it's a duopoly. In many cases, it, in particular areas, it's an actual monopoly. Well, if, if you're, if you're going to go to L.A., both guys go there, so, somehow. So, right. so it's a duopoly. But my point is, the idea of, of, of uh, the head of the Union Pacific specifically saying he wants to squeeze out 40% of employees and whatever, like he did a few years ago, according to my guys... Um, you should be looking for. Wait a minute. How many how many sick days and vacation days does everybody else have? Ten days. These guys got none, and they're, they're going to give them one. It sounds like only something a monopoly could do. We may. Yeah. In other words, you should be on the lookout for it there because you gave them the monopoly. It's it's not even a question. You and I fighting over whether Microsoft should be considered one. These guys are one. It's it's like it's like looking for Commonwealth Edison to do. Wait, they are a monopoly. <laughs> There's no debate here, right? Is there? No, not really, and 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 yet you know here we now have oh well you know the strike would be so terribly disruptive, and so therefore we have to come out and impose this, and yet for how long would the strike have been disruptive before somebody you know folded on that? 
Um, I don't know. But well, I, I'm willing to bet not very long. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to bet that if the train stopped, that uh, the the railroad company would look at this and go, hmm, you know, that's seven days worth of uh, paid time off. Boy, that ain't very much compared to you know what we're losing here on the gross revs by not moving anything. But this entire the thing that I, it, I don't know what bothers the bejesus out of me, maybe because I know something about it, I know people in it is every one of these bumps on TV, hey, wait a minute, the guys are getting a $10,000 check and they're getting a 24% raise over five years. Well, first of all, that doesn't come close to matching the inflation we've had. So Correct. it's a negative. But but their idea, so what if they're 24-7? They got a job. Well, by the way, are you 24-7? Well, no. I mean, plus you took a vacation last week. Well, yeah, but I deserve it. I mean, it's it's astounding how the the... I'll say the, the upper class in this country can only look one way, and that's at them. Sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you take a look at the, well, just look at our government. You know, oh, yeah. well, you know, we, we, we can't worry so much about the fact that, you know, Congress has gone you know, 60% of the time because they have to go raise some money for the next election. Well, yeah, except we're hiring them to do something. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, in theory, so do they do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I look, at, I look at Jay Powell, and I look at what the guy says. I can't believe I'm paying the guy's salary. I mean, I, I you know, I just right. I mean, I, well, and, and you look at oh, you you sort of heard the la- the latest thing out of Yellen, right? Oh, I didn't hear that. What was it? Oh no, this was really good. We have inflation because people are going out and spending money. Got a shit of and, and you should stop doing that. She actually blamed the American consumer for inflation. Well, and that not her. And yet she made $7 million between jobs. And, and the well, bill. wait a minute. Uh, isn't this the person who supposedly was the, was the smartest person in the world to run monetary policy for yeah. years, and now is the Secretary of the Treasury, which is running monetary policy for the federal government? Yeah, plus, what's his name? Goolsby's the new head of Chicago Fed, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, this is, you know, th- th- this is the caliber of people that is about as clownish as this dude who goes stealing $2,500 luggage bags, and, and he is supposed to be the one in charge of what we do with our spent nuclear fuel. When you, when you mention luggage, I don't know why, why I have this bizarre flashback. Remember, remember they had, before it, became, before it became generic, remember all the Viagra ads that were on, that were on uh, football and on CNBC? Oh, yeah. Week? Well, the one lady who had the, uh, was, drops the Viagra pills on the, remember the, the luggage she had? The guy had the one little leather bag and, how much? I never. I saw that luggage. How much was that? The kind you're talking about? Twenty five hundred dollars a pop. The luggage she had. I, you know, I I didn't actually get a look at the bag, but it's uh, you know designer bags are kind of like that, right? I mean, it's kind of like you know I want a Gucci purse or whatever. God. Well, uh, one thing's for sure, you're not going to get. I'm never going to have a twenty five hundred dollar bag stolen. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 biggest story I ever had with stuff like that was uh, was America worst. Or America West, the airline. I think they're they're gone now. Yeah, they were bought, uh, well, bought by somebody. Yet another. Yeah, uh, but they um, on on a flight they turned my suit bag with with two suits in it, and they weren't cheap ones either, into something that looked like a confetti machine that you'd use for a ticker tape parade. You know what they did? I I did once for me, is I was going out. This is the early eighties. So I had to watch spring training, and I. I figured, you know, I might have to look nice a couple of nights because we actually, had, you know, I thought maybe. Right. Uh, so I, when I say look nice, I actually went out and bought a couple of new Ralph Lauren shirts, and, yeah. and, and I popped them right on the top of my bag, and I zipped the bag. 
And when I get there, like they're not there, and I go, God, you idiot! The shirts are gone, right? They, they, they must still be on my bed when I get home. <laughs> they they're not. They weren't on the bed. And so, anyway, real quick, we only got forty-five seconds. Market's down fifty-six on these numbers uh, because the the headline number is high, which means the Fed, you know, they, they're not going to. The Fed's going to keep raising yeah. rates, right? But yet the well, what, Powell, what Powell said the other day was was that the market reacted the way it did was insane. Oh yeah, well, but here's here's my my, my issue is we're we're gonna we're gonna have them cutting back on the rates and the market wanting to move up, which not today. That's going to collide with this oncoming recession, which is coming like a ton of bricks. It appears. Um, yeah, first quarter. So what what is what's what's going to be what's going to happen with that collision, Carl? You got ten seconds. Oh, it's going to be terrible, but I, but you know what? Right now, through the end of the year, uh, people are full of hopium because they've had too much to drink at Thanksgiving and they never stopped. And that's the pattern that we've seen repeatedly, even when the, the actual data, I mean, the conference board leading economic indicators are terrible. So do you think, the, is the market going to be able to stay strong if the recession actually hits? Through, well, through the end of the year, I wouldn't bet against, yeah, I wouldn't bet on a big decline, but come January, I, I think all bets are off. All right, bud, we'll talk at you next week, next Friday, if not sooner. Have a nice weekend. FSB Futures down 58, NASDAQ Futures down 246. Nobody liked this good household number or uh, establishment number. You look at the other numbers, they don't look so good. It's kind of strange, whichever you look. Be back on Monday, Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.